In this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. You're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, I'm Andy. I'm continuously making character choices, and I'm Evan. I'm taking my mom to a gay bar, and I'm Ronnie. If you can tell by those introductions, Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows which have only lasted for a single season, except we said No Gods, No Masters, and we did a two-season show. We are covering Elliot Page's and Ian Daniels' vacation. But before we get into the last two episodes, I've got a bit for us. Ooh, it's the bit. Okay, I want to start off by saying this is not one of my better bits. Mm. I just want to like okay. get that get that out the gate so that tempering, you two tempering expectations so that you two don't just shit all over it as soon as I say it because I know it's not that good. This is like our 400th episode, and I've done a lot of bits, and they're difficult to come up with, and I've been thinking about it all day, and I know it's not good. Do you want Do you okay. want someone else to, to take a clutch little hit here? No, pinch hit? no, no. I have a bit. It's just not very good, and okay. I just don't want you guys to be mean about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you could go to a local fair with one like famous queer person who would you go with and what fair food would y'all eat i know i saw this i I saw this fair food tweet yeah i've been i've been thinking about fair food non-stop yeah i want fucking fair food Mm -hmm. was it what fair would we go to or what fair food would we eat any any and fucking anything i don't know it's not like a good bit but like (laughs) what would you eat or what fair would you go to sure any of that any of that's good it can't be like a renaissance fair because that doesn't count no no. that's That's a renaissance fair that's not i'm talking like county fair fair, yeah maricana fair food um you know questionable safety precautions all of that uh lee pace and oh god that's so much better than my pick we would share a funnel cake with soft serve ice cream on it and strawberry topping. Would y'all kiss? Oh, God, if he'd let me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not going to be presumptuous. I'm just assuming that Lee Pace and I were going to this county fair as buds. But if Lee Pace made a move, I would be all for it. I would go right in. Oh, he's so hot. He's so hot. I mm. it would be very difficult for us to kiss though because he's very tall. And I'm not very tall. Well, I just watched Happiest Season, which is the the lesbian Christmas movie on Hulu. Um, yeah, we we also watched it. It was it was pretty delightful I actually. It. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was even, it was cute. I I don't watch a lot of like silly like Hallmark Channel Christmas movies, but this, uh, I felt like this was better than your average silly Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Like, well, just separate had, from it being gay. It had, like, a real cast, which helped. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and also, like, people didn't, like, people made bad choices in it, but nobody made, like, really shitty secondhand embarrassment level, abusive relationship level, uh, like bad choices that were just passed off as like quirky, ordinary people things, you know, 
Um, so I'm going to go with Aubrey Plaza um, to uh, to keep it in like an Aubrey Plaza universe. I'm going to go to that fair. I don't even know if it was a fair. It might have just been a truck. I don't know. I just want to go to the place where Ron Swanson gets the ch- turkey leg wrapped in bacon on Parks and Rec. Um, mm. That was definitely a fair. That was that was some kind of Iowa. It was some kind of event. Yeah. yeah, I don't even really like turkey legs or bacon that much, but it's, I feel they, like it would they be. They do an, have that big fair in Parks and Rec. Yeah, yeah. Little Sebastian. Yeah, I would just you know, me and Aubrey Plaza could sit and people watch and 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 laugh at the laugh at the Iowans um, and the Pawneeans. Uh and if there was any scuffle to go down. We could tease people from afar, and then if they were like, what'd you say? She would just, like, roll up her sleeve and make a fist, and they would be like, oh, my bad. She is very tough. I mm-hmm. believe that she could beat, like, pretty much anyone up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would pick uh, Megan Rapinoe. Oh, Megan Rapino. Rapino, yeah. Megan Rapino. Big uh, Megan Rapino fan. She's gonna I'm like sorry. slap me now. Yeah, I feel um, like that accent was a little bit <laughs> offensive to somebody, <laughs> to some Italians. Um, and Megan Rapino, maybe. Uh, and we would, I would go with her because I fully believe that she could win any carnival or fair game mm, and get me a mm. giant stuffed animal. Mm. Uh, One of those I, giant stuffed animals full of styrofoam. I would yeah. still love it. I would love it with all my heart. Uh, I would get like a big penguin or an elephant. And uh, I think we would eat some uh, fucking corn dogs and uh, get some like good, good lemonade, some fair lemonade. Mm. God, I want to go to a fair so bad. My answer to that sucked. I, I, I screw your rules. Me and Aubrey Plaza are going to the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair and it'll be super cool and badass. That's fine. Yeah. I do, do feel some, like Aubrey Plaza would love throwing. that. You know, yeah. if any, if yeah. any uh, celebrity would, I feel like she'd get really into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. would she would show up in like a, a very, very high quality like witch's costume. Yes. Yes. We would get dressed up. And we'd eat soup in a bread bowl and turkey legs and, and, and fried dough pizzas and all of the wonderful things you can get at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair. I miss the Ren Fair now, too. I've been missing the Ren Fair all year. Yeah, I've been missing the Ren Fair since last time I went to the Ren Fair, which was in 2019. You get that wheel walker. Love him. Love Ichabod the wheel walker. Just follow him on Instagram. He's amazing. Let's talk about this show. I'm sad now. Yeah, Miss Fairfood. Yeah. Uh, Don't worry. It's time to get happy and excited again to talk about being gay in the Deep South. (laughs) I just want the Uh, audience to know that this entire time, my cat uh, Bramble has been cuddling me, and it's very cute. We love Bramble. She's very little. She's like a mouse. She's so small. Uh, Anyway... Uh, these two episodes were The Deep South and then what we've been kind of casually referring to as the Trump special, but it's entitled United We Stand and they filmed largely at and in the days surrounding uh, Trump's inauguration 
it's kind of like the episode with the pulse shooting where it was just something I, I infer that it was something that just happened as they were filming. And so they, they did an episode because it was, it was so topical at the time. Um, but, yeah, this one feels a lot more reactionary yeah. um, as opposed to something that they planned out in advance. Yeah. Um, but, and it is like kind of categorized separately from the other episodes. It's like the same format, but uh, yeah, it is, separate from the other four episodes. Um, the Deep South, Ian did by himself. Uh, I don't know what Elliot was doing, but Ian just filmed this whole this whole episode by himself. Uh, I mean, Elliot is a working actor. Might have been working. Yeah, might have been filming Umbrella Academy. I don't know. Very uh, possibly. He only I, missed two episodes. Yeah. 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 Anywho, uh, Ian went to uh, hang out with a black pro-gun Republican uh, gay man in, where was this? Was it Texas? Felt like Texas. He, he went it was through, in Austin, Texas. Yeah. He went through several southern states, so uh, I may uh, misrepresent your state at some point in this podcast. It's not malicious. It's just it's just plain old ignorance. Um, yeah, so he kind of... Unless it's Mississippi, that's your state. Then it's malicious. <laughs> uh, he went to a town called Natchez, where uh, reportedly every man is gay after dark. Uh, he, he took part in a community theater play in Natchez. Uh, he hung out with a commune of lesbians. He went on a motorcycle trip through Atlanta with the lesbian motorcycle bike crew. Mm -hmm. He also watched some people cry over dead Confederates. Yeah. For like... Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was very, it was very weird, very weird. Very I was uncomfortable. Strange. He seemed uncomfortable. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he also they, went to uh, New Orleans. He he mm -hmm. went to a club in New Orleans where uh, I don't know if it was like invented there or popularized there, but there's this like style of dance called sissy bounce. Uh, that like the queer community in New Orleans is like real tied to like real the, the, the black uh queer community specifically uh is is pretty involved in uh so yeah he went to a, a gay club in New Orleans and uh, also spoke to someone about um like the the prevalence of HIV in the in the south and difficulty getting care uh then the trump episode uh ian and elliot went to uh the inauguration in that would have been january of 2017, 2017. uh and they spoke with some uh activists and some just like queer local concerned people who were sort of discussing what they expected the ramifications of a Trump presidency to be and uh, sort of like Mike Pence's priorities. They spoke to some people in uh, Indiana, right? Mm -hmm. That's 
which is where Ian is from and also where Mike Pence was the governor, right, Mm -hmm. for a long time. And uh, so they spoke to some people in uh, Indiana about, like, Mike Pence's track record politically and uh, some of his... uh, his alarming stances against the LGBT community. Um, they visited a sort of like, uh, a community shelter for trans people in DC. And they, uh, spent a while hanging out with some activists who were like ramping up for the, the protest. Hope. Several protests, I guess, uh, happening uh, in conjunction with Trump's inauguration. And then the next day they went to the the Women's March on Washington also. Uh, and I got to say, it was much easier watching that episode now that Trump is not the president anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, well, I guess we, he's, still, he's still that- technically president, but only will be so for uh, like uh, less than a month more. Let's talk about these episodes, the final episodes of Gaycation. Uh, I do want to say in general, I like that they did multiple episodes in the U.S., even though the Trump one was kind of an ad hoc episode. And I mean, the Orlando one was kind of an ad hoc episode as well. But it does really illustrate um, how huge of a country we live in and how fundamentally different the queer experience is in different states and even in different cities within those states. Um, Sure, there are like federal laws that affect people in theory uniformly, but even they are not always maintained or enforced uniformly. I mean, we saw that, what's her name, that crazy lady refusing to issue marriage certificates in Kentucky or wherever you remember her. Mm-hmm. I think that was in Kansas. Yeah, I I don't know. Sorry if I'm uh uh you know slandering you slandering Kentucky. the state of Kentucky. Uh, but anyway, uh, even apart from like federal laws and protections being sort of uh enforced differently, there's also like this unique system we have in this enormous country where uh, state and local government governments have extremely different priorities and perspectives like from one state or town to the next. So I do think it's like important and enlightening to look at all of these different places in the U S and sort of understand the queer communities that are unique to those places. I felt like each episode or each state visited on the Deep South episode could have been its own episode. Absolutely. Um, I was going to say that that geographically and content wise, Ian covered a lot of ground in that episode. Fuck Trump. Yeah. 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 You know what? I'll I'll take a stance on that. Yeah. 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 You guys think. Do you guys think that that gay black guy voted for Trump? I think he did. I think he was saying he didn't say the words I voted for Trump, but he was saying he was, you know, debating with his uh, liberal uh, 
uh, partner, partner about that, who to vote that, for. And I was like, eh. Oh, I mean, he, he said, like, I'm a Republican. So, yeah, he definitely voted for Trump. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, that's we know that there are Republicans who didn't vote for Trump. I think there are very few Republicans who didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I mean, I mean, there's the, the, the guy said, like, there's a lot that he doesn't like about the Republican Party, but he likes a lot more about it than he doesn't like, which is the argument that I heard from everyone who voted for Trump that, yeah, there's a lot we can't get behind, but the parts that are good, they're real good. I couldn't suss out what was good. I don't know what parts they were talking about. Oh, he no. said that he owns his own business, and so he liked how Republicans treat, I guess, small business owners. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, loves guns. Yeah, yeah I mean, clearly he loves guns. guns. Clearly he loves guns. I do want to point out, though, um, I don't know why Republicans think that liberals are so uniformly anti-gun. Uh most, I mean, now I know there are varying positions on all uh, parts of the political spectrum. I don't know anyone who, like, self-identifies as a Democrat who wants to just outright ban guns. I've never met a Democrat who wants to ban guns. I've met a lot of Democrats who are in favor of, like, competency requirements for having guns and better like background checks and better safety regulations on where you can keep them and who has access to them, which from my perspective should be things that like responsible gun owners would agree with. And yet there's this perception that like, if you love guns, you've got to be a Republican and it's very, it's just very, it's very strange. Well, I think that hits on like the the politics of the United States, where anything that would be a moderate position in another country is like a very conservative right wing topic. Like we should put restrictions on guns is like a super liberal thing to say in America. Uh, according to the people who make the, you know, set the tone of the debate, which is Republicans. But of course, anywhere else in the world, that's like, that's done. That's in the past. That's like our our ancient history. Everything in America is put through this gaze of like, well, there's the far right and the moderates and the far left. And truly it's, you know, Biden is a Republican in any other place, any, any, you know, Germany, France, any of those places. Not that those places are great, but just, you know, on social issues like. Yeah, our bell curve is extremely skewed towards conservatism. Yes. In the U.S. Because conservatives set the tone of the debate and and Democrats let them. Um, I, I mean, I don't like I don't know what I would uh, uh, stump for up on a podium if I were given the opportunity to run for office. Um but I got to say, if I was given a magic wand, um, I, I, I probably would do away with all guns like that. Like, I don't I, I, I don't I don't want them here. I don't see a need for them. that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying, like, I that's, mean, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that if we lived in a parallel universe and could just like eliminate all guns from the face of the earth, that would be dope. But yeah, I, like from a 
as political policy, I, I would not support an initiative to just like forcibly take guns from people because I think that would turn bad. It would so, turn bad yeah. because of the people with the guns not yeah. wanting to like yeah, yeah, to follow. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's, uh-huh. it's I mean it, we we could go in circles with this, but it's just that idea of like no 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 we get to decide what is completely outside left field and what is ripe for political debate, and we all just say okay. Well, not we, but the people that we uh, are forced to choose between when we elect people into office. Mm-hmm. Anywho, yeah, that was a bit of a tangent, but uh, yeah, the, the 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 gentleman at the beginning of the uh, Steep South episode, it was it's it is it is a very pre-Trump kind of conversation. I don't I don't know how that conversation goes now in the year of our Lord twenty twenty. I have to hope that uh, people like that gentleman like came around after four years like even if they you know saw Trump in a flattering light for whatever reason in 2016 I I hope that they they realized that he wasn't helping them at all I don't know I don't know more people voted for Trump in 2020 mm-hmm. than in 2016 so maybe i'm just totally fucking wrong i don't know at best we could hope that he didn't vote at all yeah i don't know <laughs> you know as you say that there was each of these states could have been their own episode um i was very struck by um both the uh story of the boy who was uh the man i'm sorry who was who was um boy had boiling water thrown on him while he slept with his partner yeah jesus yeah juxtaposed with you know and 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 talking about how there are no hate crime laws in uh i want to say he was in was that georgia yeah Mm -hmm. um there are no hate crime laws in georgia and so the person who did that kind of got a slap on the wrist um, compared with also in Georgia, uh, the trans woman who was forced to uh, be detained at a male prison. Um, Like a maximum security. Yeah. Without, you know, hormone treatment, without any of the things. uh, Was that in Georgia? I thought she said that was in Texas. I'm not sure. No, Texas was the first state and they ended with her, so. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just, the, the like, the obvious juxtaposition there of, you know, being on one side and saying, like, wow, there's, there's like, there's, like, like we were talking about, there's a happy medium here. There's a medium where this person is not incarcerated and, and there's not this mass incarceration and people who do heinous things, like, just commit hate crimes and and burn people and and scar them literally scar them permanently like they should face repercussions like and it's just no it is just like nope that person gets nothing this person gets the book thrown at them and welcome to georgia yeah crime's a social construct y'all yes uh how things are enforced how things are punished uh is completely subjective and uh is significantly impacted by 
both individual bias and cultural bias. So like, oh boy, I mean, I, I have to assume that, you know, most of the people listening to this knew that, but uh, yeah, yeah, crime is, I was going to say it's arbitrary. It's not arbitrary. It's uh, like the concept of crime has been weaponized against disadvantaged people. Yeah, it was it was just, it, you know, hearing both of their stories and hearing how they have like been able to share their stories and like start movements based on them um, is just it, it is it 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 echoes a little bit or, or kind of preambles a little bit of what we're going to hear in the or what we heard in the Trump episode about like, you know, this is, you know, good because we're all not. I don't think anyone said it was good, but they said the good thing to come out of it was everyone getting together and everyone um, processing together and feeling like in community with each other and knowing like we're not alone, which we, you know, we all saw in 2016 in our own ways. Um, but it just, fucking sucks that like not that it takes something like that for that to occur but that it like takes something like that and then the people who are marginalized to take the initiative and the effort to push it forward it's not just the act that something terrible happened it's the act that something terrible happened and then needing queer black folk to say hey this bad thing happened and i'd like you to pay attention to it and i'm gonna like work really hard to make sure you do and people still won't Hmm. That, uh, that father of that trans young man that they oh, spoke God. to in the Trump episode. Oh, oh my heart. Yeah, it's, it really, I don't know what exactly about that scenario, like, just made me a little bit emotional because this. It's this, fucking uh, beautiful, Evan. You yeah, have a heart this, and two ears. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this grizzled old redneck. Man, and I say that, you know, not disparagingly because, listen, I grew up with rednecks, okay? The south part of Maryland is the south. Um, but anyway, this grizzled old redneck man uh, was talking about how uh, he he used to be hateful and he's learned to be kind and he's doing his best to to support his son and he's trying to figure out how pronouns work and he's going to figure it out. And, oh, man, my heart, my heart. When he said, like, I'm not a dummy. I'm going to get this figured out. Uh, yeah. Man. Yeah. And that the, the, was right after they talked with Ian's mom. So it was a double dose of, like, mm -hmm. emotions because Ian's mom talked about how um, she maybe had some prejudices before mm -hmm. Ian was born. And Ian was crying because, like, he had never heard his mom talk about this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it hits you right in the feels. When that dad kind of is like talking about the, the, the child's name, the, the transgender youth is Dan. Um, the dad uses like she, her pronouns a couple of times in a row to the point where it's like, well, this is the thing you're talking like, are you doing that intentionally and then a couple beats later like he catches himself and he and he uses he him and that's what kind of spawned he's like yeah I, like you can see i'm not good at it but like 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 Andy said like i'm no dummy like i'm gonna figure it out and it's just like 
Yes. Like, like if, if, if that was how people frame the conversation of just like, man, this is difficult, but I went to school. I could, I could do this. Like, yeah. And to reassure like allies, it's, it's a little bit difficult for anybody to mm -hmm. switch how they refer to someone. That's true of people in the queer community as well. I definitely screwed up Elliot's name once last episode and that's, that's okay. It's going to happen. So, um, I, I see a lot of, uh, bad faith discourse on the internet about people like getting canceled for using the wrong pronouns or like the, like, did you just assume my gender shit? Uh, nobody does that. I mean, like, maybe there's isolated incidents of certain people, like, f going through some shit who have done that at some point in history. I don't know. Everyone's but, like, got a breaking point. Yeah, but, like, people, people generally speaking, are very kind and very forgiving about, uh, like, people genuinely accidentally messing up, like, names or pronouns. You're not going to get attacked for messing up as long as it's, you know, an accident and as long as you are conscientious about it and as long as you work to do better. Yeah, it was, I was ready for that to be a whole different thing. And I, and I was yeah, very I, delighted. I made a lot of assumptions based on how that dude looked and dressed. I'm mm -hmm. not going to lie. And talked uh, in the way that he just kind of swaggered in kind of with his his drawl and all and was like, oh, yeah. no. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I feel a little bad about it, uh, unfortunately, but yeah, people love love Dan and Randy, though. Yeah, people yeah. Uh, will surprise you. People people can be good. People can be good. <sighs> he, he talks about, you know, his grandfather being a uh, a World War II vet and, you know, oh, I don't I don't smoke cigars. I eat them kind of thing. And like that framing that as like what he saw as strength and then talks about like he 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 doesn't say it in so many words, but basically talks about like what he has been given, like the gift that he's been given in in his son, Dan, and like how this is his new idea of strength Um and, and and helping him learn and it's 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 just so like if 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 you just need anything I'm sure that maybe that part's on YouTube go search Gaycation Dan and Randy or something I don't know if it's there but yeah it's also so uh, encouraging to be reminded that people can and do change you know it's not yeah it's not people aren't a lost cause I mean some people are but he uh, Randy pointed out that like he used to be he used the word he used was hateful he used to be hateful he used mm -hmm. to like discriminate and like has learned has unlearned that behavior and uh it's just it's good and we don't see like the you know his journey and his growing to that point but what i do see is that dan is still a young child i think they said he was 12 or 13 he was 14 14 and like so it's not like he's been given that much time and that's mm -hmm. already the point that he's at. It's like, oh, hats off, like, like tremendous job of, of both that, that child and, 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 you know, that community or however they're, however they're making that, that work happen. 
it it made me very emotional. Um, I do not have a great relationship with my family. Um, That's an understatement. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know I'm I'm 29, and I still miss them dearly, and would do uh not anything because the things that they expect or want <laughs> i am unwilling or unable to do but i would do a whole heck of a lot mm. to uh get them to understand and um i am thrilled for people like ian and for people like dan whose parents were able to educate themselves on their uh you know preconceived uh, ideas or their hateful past and grow and change. And, uh, you know, there's, I think there's maybe a little bit of jealousy there of like, damn, why couldn't I have had that? Like, why couldn't my family figure their shit out? Um, but at the same time there, there is, uh, there is a, a ton of relief and happiness for any of my queer siblings who, are able to have a, an accepting family. That is a, uh, a prize to hold on to for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, if we want to take it to a, a bit of a, if we, if we want a good laugh, uh, for a second, um, in Atlanta, Ian, I, I, this is this, this episode, um, was, I watched last night, the, uh, the deep South one, um, and I was like, Kirsten, you want to watch with me? It's kind of late. Might be kind of a bummer. I understand if you don't want to. She's like, no, go ahead, put it on. And so we were watching the Deep South episode. And Ian goes to a leather bar. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Um, and he talks Look, about. Mom, I'm on TV. <laughs> He talks how bad he's been to leather bars, but he's never like worn leather before. And so mm -hmm. they go they go to a a, a shop uh, leather shop. What would you what would you call that? It was like a fetish shop. Sure. Sure. It wasn't. Ex I don't know if they had like exactly sex stuff, but they sure. certainly had like fetish apparel and like. Sure floggers and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so he picks out something. Uh, you know, that, that you could tell he is not fully comfortable, uh, in, but, but is, uh, you know, doing his best to, to play along for, for the, the good of being a part of the, the community there. He's living the experience. Yes. He's fully participating in the leather bar lifestyle. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so he goes in and he talks to, um, someone who's a dominatrix and, um, and it just, it's just like such as he said he's been there before but still just like you know walk walking in someone else's shoes or walking in someone else's uh you know leather harness is is you could tell it's different for him um so that was all very good uh after all that it goes to like you know the what would be a commercial break if if there were commercials and i look over at kirsten and she's like looks a little i want to say uncomfortable but just kind of like overwhelmed which granted like that she's she's pretty you know uh naive when it comes to some uh subcultures uh when it comes to to queer folks and 
And I was like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, kind of like, I was almost taken aback a little bit. Like, are you like good? And so I pause it and she goes, let me just explain. She says, when he said he wanted to go to a leather bar, she said, hmm, that sounds interesting. Is it like all like the booths are leather and the walls are leather and like, you know, that maybe there's like a leather bar like that. That's interesting. <laughs> to which at this point, I'm like dying on the couch. It's very difficult to clean, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then she says and then he said, I'm going to like wear some leather and then she said he's probably gonna go pick out a leather jacket (laughs) (laughs) well kirsten (laughs) and so ian walks into the fetish shop and what she's she's relaying all this to me of like what she was thinking in the moment and she's like i don't see any jackets on the wall (laughs) (laughs) so 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 her, her reaction was not one of discomfort. It was just that, like, the understanding of what was going on came to her in such waves of, of wholesomeness and innocence that she was she was not quite prepared for what lie away waiting for her beyond yeah, that I, door. I, I understand. I, I <laughs> Kim Kim said the phrase a tub of ice cream or uh, Kim said eating ice cream straight out of the tub a few days ago and what mm-hmm. immediately f- I know what a tub of ice cream is like sure. I'm not I am not an imbecile I know what a tub of ice cream is but for some reason as she said those words what I imagined was someone eating ice cream out of a bathtub mm-hmm. and I was like oh why why would you it took me a sec so I understand Kirsten sure. I understand <laughs> it was I, I got her permission to, to share this story it was just very it was like a very much like hey are you good and her being like I'm good. Let me explain to you what the journey was like for me for those couple of minutes. Uh, so. Lesbian that's, that's, forest paradise seems rad. Yeah, yeah, that was real good. I want to live in a, well, no, I don't want to live in a specifically lesbian commune. That's for the lesbians. Mm-hmm. But I want to live uh, in a a forest commune. I want to live in a cottage core little gay community. Mm-hmm. By a little, by a little creek. Mm-hmm. Mm, maybe a little waterfall, a couple, couple blocks down. That'd be We're nice. making our own cottage core paradise on our property. There you go. <sighs> I liked Courage a lot. I thought, I thought he had a lot of good insight. He was the Native American activist. Mm, yes. That they spoke to. Um, you can kind of see the seeds through vacation of Elliot and Ian's next project, which was uh, There's Something in the Water, which was about the... It was a docuseries or a documentary they did after vacation about um, Native American... Actually, I don't know if it's in America. It might be Canada. I watched it when it came out, so it's been a while. Yeah, Indigenous Peoples Fight for uh, you know, their water and um, Mm. how Canada and the U.S., has just continually just gone back on their word and on our treaties and done awful, awful shit to their communities. Um, very, very powerful documentary, but I feel like you, you can see the seeds of them um, learning about uh, indigenous issues and wanting to, you know, put a spotlight on it here. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I forget her name, but uh, I think it was also in Georgia. Uh, there was a, a black woman who was a politician who um, ran for office, but I think lost her race or it wasn't Georgia. It was Indiana. I think it was in the, the Trump episode. Mm. And she talked a lot about like getting organized and it, you're like your activism has to be intersectional. If you care about women's issues, then you have to care about Black Lives Matter. If you care about Black Lives Matter, then you have to care about LGBTQ issues and if you care about LGBTQ issues and you have to care about, you know, immigrant issues. And um, I think that's such a strong point because if you care about, you know, Black Lives Matter, there's going to be queer people who are black and their, mm-hmm. their blackness affects their queerness and those issues go hand in hand for them. And you can't say, oh, well, I'm only going to, you know, fight for you on the black part because no, like that directly feeds into their experience as a queer person and vice versa. If you say, well, I, I'm here to fight for LGBTQ people, you have to then also fight for disabled people right? because their disability directly affects their queerness and their queerness affects their disability. Like you can't cut people into neat boxes and your activism has to be intersectional on these issues if you say you only care about women's issues well guess what there's a bunch of women refugees and immigrants yeah. where the fact and that they're a woman are lesbian and many of them are trans women and yeah, yeah and and you know many of them are cis women and there's like their 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 womanhood affects their refugee status or their immigrant status like these issues all go hand in hand and we have to build bridges between these communities and fight for each other and, you know, stand alongside each other and also know when to, like, step back and let, you know, other people talk when it comes yeah. to those issues. Um, so I just thought she had a ton of amazing insight. Uh, yeah. And I, I, it was such a jam-packed episode. I was like, no, like, stay and talk to her more. Yeah, for sure. Elliot speaks directly to that. Um, when he and Ian are talking up to the conservative blogger guy um, mm-hmm. who fucking sucks. <laughs> Twinks for um, Trump guy. Yeah. He's yeah. The fucking worst. Yeah. The guy at the uh, the Trump victory party. Yeah. He's talking about how, you know, Pence doesn't really have all that much power and don't, don't there's nothing to worry about. Like Trent uh, Pence is not, an, uh, you know, Ian brings up the point that Pence is not a friend of the gay community. This, this, you know, guy they're talking to is apparently gay. Um, and the the blogger guy is just like, yeah, he doesn't have much power. Won't be a problem, which like, uh, you know, let's let's fast forward four years. It, it, it's definitely fucks some shit up. Um, but, you know, Elliot speaks to that directly. He says, like, you know, exactly what you're saying. Like there are, you know, uh, immigrants who are queer. There are refugees who are queer there are muslims who are queer like all of these things fold into each other you can't like just pick around and 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 yeah it it just it i was glad to see that kind of thing echoing throughout the episode that idea of intersectionality um i mean that has been such a huge part of this this entire work that um that elliot and he have done um but 
it's it just, you know, it was a very good capstone to like really weave that through the finale. To- I'm going to dunk oh. on that uh, Twinks for Trump guy for a second. Dude looked about 24. Uh, he was white. He was cis. He was conventionally attractive. And he just seemed like that's a generous. To I will me. say, and then that's that's generous. But I will I will let it go. He looked. He was fine looking. You know what I mean? Like he he, he looked like a regular white dude. Very 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 conventional, um, but the the dude clearly had. And this is this is not like unique to this guy. There's other. People, especially like white gay men in the the queer community who like really have lost touch with the remainder of the queer community because they have enough privilege that they can sort of like go about their lives with their white privilege and their male privilege uh, making up for the any any uh discrimination they might face for being gay this dude just seemed like kind of a dummy and uh like very naive he didn't mm-hmm. he didn't really seem to understand what a trump president presidency was going to mean for a lot of people who had a lot less privilege than he did so it was just very frustrating to like see a queer person uh, sort of so short-sighted mm-hmm. in their their perspective. And it's frustrating because, like, we've been talking about this whole time where when, you know, these these religious zealots or these super conservative people are confronted with Elliot Nee and saying, hey, I'm gay. Do you want me to? Like, they immediately fall back into, like, the thing we've heard a million times of, like, oh, no, like, everyone's entitled to their own thing. I just, for me and for, you know, for what I think is, they just, it's a non-answer. And, like, this gay person, this this gay man was, when Elliot, like, lists out all of these things and, and talks about intersectionality, had, like, just resorts back to kind of that same idea of like, yeah, well, if all you're reading is the Huffington Post, then I guess that's what you're going to do. If, 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 if you're, you know, basically if your perspective is that of a queer person, yeah, of course you're going to be biased against this. Like it is, it, it is just like, it was a non-answer on top of like a very poignant, salient point. And it was, it's just like, you, you got to know better. You got to know better. So uh, his name is Lucian Wintrich the fourth. Wow. Yeah. Lucian Baxter Wintrich the fourth. Fuck that guy. Uh, wow. Fuck that name. I wanna I wanna I, I have three notes here on, on Lucian. The first is my opinion, and that is you reach a certain level of wealth where your minority status no longer like directly affects your life anymore. Sure. Sure. Uh, looking at you like Ellen DeGeneres, looking at mm-hmm. you like RuPaul, mm-hmm. um, looking at you, Obama, um, mm-hmm. and uh, like it's less fair with Obama because he definitely did face a ton of discrimination. But like him and Michelle being friends with like George W. Bush and shit now. And it's like, really, the dude who did war crimes before you like y'all are buddies now. Anywho, Obama also did war crimes. Yeah. Um, but like this dude, Lucian, 
he can be a racist asshole who supports Donald Trump because he knows that Pence's homophobia and Trump's homophobia will not directly affect him because he is wealthy enough to be insulated from it. Mm -hmm. And his racism outweighs his care for his own community. That's my first, just Andy's reading on the situation. Um, Two, Ian and Elliot were more harsh to him than I think anyone else that we've seen them directly interview. Yeah. Like in person. And uh, I just love the like outright contempt and disgust they had for this fucker. Uh, It's just very good. Three, uh, Lucian Wintrop Baxter, the fourth or whatever the fuck his name is on Wikipedia. His career is, uh, we'll call it, two paragraphs on here. His controversies is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He got arrested for assaulting someone on a college campus during one of his own lectures. Uh, He like assaulted a protester. Uh, He got fired from like Fox News for being a racist or something. Um, He tweeted out that the, um, the, uh, the fucking... Stoneman Douglas high school shooting was a false flag attack. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and that there was a conspiracy theory and uh, a bunch of the survivors like directly criticized him. Um, and then uh, his latest conspiracy or his latest controversy was holding a pandemic potluck. To spread the coronavirus to build immunity. Wow. What a scab. Uh, so, like, this dude is, like, a grifter and a shitty, shitty asshole. Yeah. Fuck Just a, fuck just a sensationalist, just a troll. And, and, and I mean, he, he says as much. He about trolling, too. Yeah. Like, he's proud of it. Like, oh, right. my God. He says as much, but also, like, all right, but you've also got a White House press pass. So, like, so, like. You, the self-proclaimed troll, has to see that there's some, you know, dissonance there. No, you don't because you're a Trump supporter. I gotcha. Anyone in the year of our Lord 2016 who would like openly admit to like being proud of their their troll status is just not worth talking to. Like, and just no substance to him at all. Like. Ian even points out, like, you you love the attention you're getting, but, like, you don't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. And you have a huge responsibility. Like, as a journalist. According to Wikipedia, he is among the first members of the White House press corps to be openly gay and one of the youngest. He's currently 32. We're just on Wikipedia looking for things to roast oh, yeah. about this dude now. Sorry. Oh, he's got a website. Oh, boy. I'm sure it's Don't great. click it. Uh, the, when you click on his website, the first thing that comes up is a picture of his face. He's wearing, like, sunglasses, and it says, a dangerous troll. Fuck that guy. We've talked too much. No. Okay. He's, we, he's crossed, oh, wow. we have crossed the line into talking too much <laughs> about this bad, bad person. <sighs> um, yeah. Let's all go yeah. to a leather bar. Yes. Let's get vaccinated. 
let's, well, we have to get vaccinated and then we have to still wait a responsible amount of time. We have to wait until we have reached herd immunity status. We're not just going to go out. This is, oh no, I've slipped slipped into PSA mode, but uh, do not become complacent once you have the vaccine. Not, it's not 100% effective. Don't, don't make bad choices just because and also if you get the two-part vaccine make sure that you stay the fuck home in the month in between the vaccines and go get that second vaccine because studies are now showing that if a bunch of people get the vaccine and then fuck off with the rest of it uh the disease could become vaccine uh repellent or it it won't work the vaccine won't work yeah uh i think all of them are two-part currently as far as i know all the ones in clinical trials are two-part and they do nothing if you only get one uh to be clear you have no protection whatsoever if you only get the first shot you need i had a lot of i had a lot of hopeful moments watching uh randy and dan and seeing the protests at trump's inauguration i will tell you something i don't have a whole lot of hope in is people following the instructions on the vaccine pamphlet if i could just be a little pessimistic over here can we talk about the aids photographer protest guy Mm -hmm. just yeah what an important like life's work that he has done and like God, you can tell he's tired. Like, you can tell he's been doing this for so fucking long and has lost so many friends. And he's like, look, we got to fight again. Like, it's it's not done. Like, the work's not over. And, like, Jesus, it's rough. Yeah. Um, Something that I have seen a lot with Corona is a lot of people... Uh, mostly like well-meaning liberals who don't know better, but are like, I just can't imagine a government ever like not taking care of their people during a deadly pandemic. Like this is, this is the worst thing that the U S government's ever done. And it's like, well, first of all, right. Like talk to some not white people about the worst shit the U S government's ever done. And you're gonna be in for a lot one. And then two, like, Trump has certainly mismanaged the virus and he is dumb and incompetent, but he is not intentionally like ignoring it in the way that Reagan did AIDS. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, he's, he's certainly, uh, we have a lot of evidence that he has lied about it. I mean, I for sure think he has lied and I for sure think he has done a terrible job with it but it is not the same level of reagan was intentionality of like no this is gay cancer and only the gays are getting it so it's good reagan certainly was uh a competent enough person in certain aspects of his life that he should have been able to respond better to aids or respond at all to aids let's be honest um yeah so i guess as far as that you're correct. Trump, we, we never expected to Trump Trump to handle anything competently. But um Yeah. Yeah, it it's you know, it it is much like Andy, you just talking about um you know, being insulated if you are wealthy and white enough, where at this point it's just people saying like, Hey, no, 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 wait. Like this this isn't supposed to affect me. 
Like this disease is affecting everybody. Of course, it is affecting black and brown communities, marginalized communities so much more, but it's affecting me at all. And like, that's not how this is supposed to happen. I don't know how about all the other stuff, but this is this is government supposed to protect me is what they're basically saying. I never thought the leopards would eat my face, cried the woman who voted for the leopards eating people's faces party. Yeah. I'm not to get uh, distracted from the, the topic at hand again, but uh, I don't know if you read the the series of tweets and subsequent statements made by the nurse in, I believe it was South Dakota, who had encountered several people insisting that they did not have COVID because they were so deep in the conspiracy hole about COVID being a hoax as they were lying in the hospital dying of COVID. Um, she said that she had one person insist that it must be lung cancer. And it was just like boggling her mind. Uh, yeah, people, the, the power of deep, deep denial is truly astounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that family goes home and tells all of their friends, oh, no, they just said it was COVID. It was actually just lung cancer. And yeah. that becomes a Facebook meme that everyone shares. And then all of a sudden there's a whole conglomerate of people saying, oh, there's doctors saying all when it's just people who can't cognitively handle the reality of what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. I, I Sorry if I sound a little bit. Uh, downtrodden, I have moved my head to my hands. <laughs> Isn't it weird how you can tell? Like, I could mm-hmm. tell from the the exact way your voice changed pitch that you had your, your chin in your hands now. Yep. Yep. This head, heavy is the head that wears no crown at all, but goddamn, it's still heavy. Ronnie, did you like the theater stuff? You I like did. Theater. Yeah. I, me and Kirsten both shared a giggle at that where Ian says, you know, he's he's in Mississippi in this small town and there's no gay bar. So I'm going to go where I can find some gay people. Just hard cut to the sign outside of a theater. Community <laughs> theater. Accurate. Accurate yeah. as all get out. Um, yeah, that, that is a a big a big. Uh, Big letdown in mind that I was not uh, more open and out when I was more involved with community theater because I would have had some fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Especially like what they were doing in that particular theater was that what they were saying was until this guy took over some amount of years ago, not enough years. 2001. Oh, I thought it was even, you know, worse than that or better than that. But no, that the... Um, actors were playing in blackface. Uh huh. And uh-huh. that that he popped in and was like, "Oh f- fuck no, no, we're not doing that." Um, and then you know, adapted or even just you know, maybe not fully adapted, but cast these um traditionally southern staples of of prose and 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 of of uh literature, uh, with just a real diverse cast and kind of reclaimed 
what the South was, uh, reclaimed these um, tropes and reclaimed these stories um, to be told through the lens of of queer and um, BIPOC folks. Um, it was it was, yeah always always going to be a big fan of a small tiny black box theater with a tiny ass stage and no wing space and though they're i mean they're they're you know prop and makeup and and costume that was that was quite an establishment that wasn't uh what i was used to but um but yeah any anything like that like it's it's so it's always the warmest it's always like the the you know the most drama filled it both on the stage and in like the politics of, you know, this person got this part and this person got cast as this part and they're, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's, 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 it's so rich with like history and culture and just the, uh, the love that is shared there. And that is, that is part and parcel. I, I attribute that a hundred percent. I've been in theaters where it was like, predominantly all straight folks and been in theaters where it's predominantly a lot of queer folks and you you can you could guess which ones are the more fun ones to be a a, a cast member and an audience member in it did make me think of uh our friends over at Borealis who are reclaiming like appalachian atmosphere and like small town americana through mm-hmm. this like queer lens and like playing in the horror space with it. And, um, you know, this theater director who has been working now for like 20 years is, um, reclaiming like his Southern heritage and looking at it through a, a queer lens and a, uh, you know, a gender fluid lens and allowing, uh, the people of color in his community to look at it through that lens. Mm -hmm. Um, not allowing, that's not the right word, but like helping giving to permission. facilitate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um that's such a powerful thing to do with storytelling. And um I especially loved, I think you well, yeah, it was Ian, because he was the only one in the episode. But Ian asked him, like, uh, has the town always been safe for him as a gay man to live in? And he's like, I think it would have been safe three hundred years ago when the town was founded for me to have been openly gay. And we forget that, one, the founding of America was very, very gay. And two, uh, like, queer people have always been here, and they've always had communities, and they've always had a space in community. It just, like, doesn't get talked about. Right. And there are definitely times where it wasn't safe, and, but, like, we didn't just show up in the 60s. Like, we've always been here. It's I mean, it is it is exactly what we are seeing in Georgia right now. Like, you know, everyone wants to talk about the Deep South as this like conservative bastion, you know, read all the way through. But like when you give a voice to the people that are there, if you give true representation to, you know, people who want to do queer theater and people who want to vote for policies that will help them, it's like, oh. Oh wait, this is not a a monolith. This is not just you know forty million of the people who are kneeling in the middle of a highway saying a prayer to Confederate soldiers. Like this is a a real collective of people who have just been for 
hundreds of years told that their voice doesn't matter and have physically been shoved off, have have been, you know, pushed away, shoved off, made to feel small, made to feel unimportant. And, you know, that that people like to say, like, oh, with the dawn of social media, it's like that. That's it's just people whatever platform they have, whether it is a stage, whether it is activism are fighting back against that. And again, it sucks that they have to, but um, it is, it is really cool to see, you know, people like this director using this passion to say like, Nope, that's not my experience. And I'm going to tell you what my experience actually is. This is why, um, and I'm bringing this up because I in the past have been guilty of this as well, but, uh, it's really in poor taste to say things like, uh, you know, let's just slice off certain bits of the country and they can be their own separate country. Mm-hmm. Forget them. You know, the deep South bunch of rednecks, forget them. Um, it's not true and it's not fair because there are communities in those places like nowhere is homogenous. There's uh like, truly terrible bigoted people in New York City and there's like vibrant queer communities in the deep south. Well they said at the start of the episode that there's more queer people in the south percentage yeah. than anywhere else. Sure, and it's not I'm I'm bringing this up not just in the case of queer people sure, sure, but sure. uh like the south is not some kind of backwards shithole that is dragging the rest of us down the 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 voters who are like making bad selfish decisions are not don't exist because of the south and they don't exist exclusively in the south uh so it's it's never good to write off an entire area right just because you have this this perception that uh, there's some kind of like backwards backwater state or town or county or whatever. Because there's even like, you know, there are homogenous places, but those are places that were intentionally made homogenous places like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Pacific Northwest, which is becoming more diverse, but was a very much like racist, horrible place to be. Places like I was listening to uh, Tawny Newsom from Yo, Yo, Is This Racist? Um, and a, a bajillion other things, but um, talking about how when they they moved out to the Mojave Desert, and someone was like, "Are there are there black people there?" and she's like, "Oh yeah," because they all got forced out of Los Angeles, they all got forced out of Southern California because it, you know they were either uh, forced out physically or forced out because it got too expensive to live there. So yeah, there's there's lots of lots of black people here in the desert because we it was cheap property and it's what we could afford. Like. It, it It is there's so many, you know, things that go into what makes a community, a region, you know, what makes it diverse, what makes it what it is. And yeah, to your point, Adam, it's just we, we can't we can't afford to look at any place as a as a somewhere where we can't, you know, talk to people, reach people, find community. We've, we've done a great job coming full circle as far as like, isn't it great how they've examined so many different parts of the country yeah. because they are so 
so different and so diverse. Well I want done. A season... It's like poetry. It rhymes. I want a season three. Oh yeah, we need one. I would watch it. Tough I'd to have do to right take now. Breaks between every episode. <laughs> yeah, we've already got a lot of mental health, uh, you know, challenges to be dealing with in these the late COVID times. Yeah. Now that seasonal depression has come into as like as a compliment to our COVID depression, you know. It's fine. Everything's fine. We're going to be okay. Everything's going to be yeah. okay. Uh, well, thank you so much to Elliot Page and Ian Daniel for creating this excellent piece. I did not know about There's Something in the Water. I will have to check that out because I'm very, very intrigued by the uh, the times where they speak with indigenous activists. Um, I mean, what 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 places... You know, there was so much that I learned from these two seasons that I, I had no idea of. Are there places that we would want them to go? Are there places we would want them to visit in a season three? I would be curious to see more of um, places that are considered like liberal bastions like mm. Philadelphia or New York or... Um, you know, like LA or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. just because I don't think I've ever seen like a, a real raw, honest look at what it's like to be queer in those places other than just what I've heard about how wonderful it is. Sure. Uh, so I think that would be interesting. Uh, Canada would be interesting just cause I don't know shit about Canada. Mm -hmm. I would like them to do somewhere in Africa. Uh, I feel like we, skipped over i mean it's not like they did uh um you know a carefully constructed like diversity of countries in different continents and whatnot they they only did one asian country uh and they did like four america episodes and, and such but um i know that there are a lot of and i'm generalizing of course because africa is an entire fucking continent but uh i know there are a lot of places in africa where it's unsafe to be gay but i don't know anything about gay culture like anywhere in africa so that's something i would really like to to see explored i would like to go and this is becoming increasingly rare thanks to um Lots of uh, places trying to, lots of churches trying to edge their way in. I would love to see a place, other places like Japan, where there is not so much of a um, a Christian influence, just to see, mm -hmm. you know, what the, you know, I, I can't assume that Japan, Japanese culture would be, you know, similar to other places that don't have a, a Christian influence and, and, and that kind of intolerance and that kind of hate spread to them. Um, but I would like to see more of that, more of people really just dealing with it and, and, and working through it within their own communities and with their own sensibilities rather than injecting more colonialism into, into the mix. Also, let me correct myself. They did two Asian countries. India is in Asia. Yes. Um, I have, I have three other places I'm going to rattle off. One, 
Iceland because I hear it's rad to be queer in Iceland. Hell yeah. I don't know anything else about Iceland. Uh, two, uh, I think Germany would be really interesting uh, because of the queer history of that country pre and post Holocaust. Uh, would probably also be a huge downer, but um, mm-hmm. and hard to uh, do because they're they're you know, I don't know, I don't know if there is is you know no they, they never mind ignore me go ahead keep going. Uh, and then the third one is Australia, mostly because I just started following a new podcast that only has two episodes out called The Queer Idea, and it's hosted by three Australian queer people, and um. Their second episode is a special on grinder etiquette, and I don't know shit about grinder or grinder etiquette, and I can't wait to listen to these Aussies talk about it. Wait, is grinder etiquette different in Australia than in America? I can't imagine it would be much different, but again, I don't know shit about grinder, so uh, I, I'm looking forward to episode two where these three um, queer, I think they're all men, but these three queer men talk about grinder. Babe, we need to make grinder accounts. I know we're in a loving, committed relationship, but we need this queer experience. <laughs> we need to just flirt with boys on grinder. I'm going to make a Tinder just to flirt with people. I wouldn't like put. I wouldn't like make a grinder under false pretenses. I wouldn't sure. be like, you know, put put trying to smash in my bio or whatever <laughs> looking for friendship looking for a third um, oh, man. No. <laughs> um that is a real covid activity though isn't it just setting up a tinder account to find people to flirt with you mm-hmm. know? hard times out here uh evan what are we what are we what are we watching next week we're gonna do terriers. Uh, yeah, I looked at I looked at some of the recommendations from our listeners, and uh, the the lesbian show intrigued me. But the listener also pointed out like they they included a warning for some like homophobic content in there, mm. and I was just like, mm, it sounds like a good show, but having, uh, you know, having consumed a lot of queer trauma via mm-hmm. gaycation. I think we need something totally different. So, um, yeah, I like procedurals and it, it by all accounts was pretty good. I, I want to watch a show that's decent. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, a lot of listeners recommended, uh, team and T the next mutation. And it sounds like they don't know what that is. And y'all, it is, it is real bad. It is it is historically bad. Um, it made the one founder of Team and T say he would never let a female turtle happen over his dead body again because of how bad it is. What? Which like is, that's the girl turtle spot. That's, well, that's the problem. Well, let me let me say, yeah, he's a big dummy. Um, <laughs> uh, the the IDW comic uh, did uh, uh, a girl turtle. Uh, named Jenica and she's fucking incredible but like they made her a good character uh the female turtle in the next mutation is horribly horribly written um I think that would make a great drunk episode I really love the TMNT um but Ronnie Ronnie is in charge of the next drunk episode but if we do a uh a next mutation episode it'll probably have to be 
where Andy is smashed because it is rough. What's our yeah. next drunk episode going to be? What's our next milestone? I don't. Oh, well, there, there's something I could talk to you about there offline. There's some, mm. there's some ideas brewing in this noggin about the future. Oh, the future. Um, so the, the immediate future is, uh, we're going to be watching terriers. terriers. Yep. The future is doggies. I don't actually know if there's any dogs in the show. I hope there are. I love dogs. I don't know if there are, but we'll, we'll see. Um, real quick. I just want to, we mentioned, uh, some folks that have sent us, uh, show suggestions and we, those go on the list. Um, trust me. Um, so just, just shout out, uh, Sophia, Kieran, Dallas, uh, our friend pigeon. That's at squid on Twitter. Um, our friends, trans artists of the day have sent us uh, show suggestions. Thank you so much for, for sending those along. They do not just get tossed in the bin. We, we do incorporate those in our list and, and, uh, you know, we're just we're just going we slower these over days. Them carefully, we yes. look diligently upon them. Tweet yes. at me about TMNT. I fucking love TMNT. TMNT's so good. Listen to me talk about TMNT on Good Neighbors, <laughs> which is not a TMNT podcast, despite our best efforts to make it one. Uh, you're trying. You're trying, trying hard. Go, so hard. Go, go listen to Good Neighbors. Go listen to Force Friends Rewatch. Don't buy anything from Evan's Etsy page. Um, <laughs> don't check out Bristol Pod Works if you want to make a podcast. Yeah, or if you want music, new uh, new uh, music coming to to Good Neighbors uh, by yours truly. So it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I, I do I do music. I do the songs. I do tunes. Um, I do Bristol the Pod- tunes. Good Neighbors RPG podcast. Force Friends Rewatch, BristolPodWorks.com. Um, do you, do you, what, I mean, I, I gotta drop something. Do you have like a tag on AO3 or something, Evan? Like, oh god, don't look at my AO3. <laughs> Definitely don't do that. Look at his cosplay page. Give cosplay him, page, give, yes. I am, I am attention for how hot he I is. I am Thaumaturge uh, Arts or Thaumaturge Cos or Thaumaturge Cosplay on uh, all the social meds. So, if you want to find me, do. Yes, yes, yes. Thaumaturgy, like the practice of magic. T-H-A-U-M-A-T-U-R-G-Y. You've definitely locked down the SEO on Thaumaturgy. Congratulations on that one. (laughs) Um, uh, You know the stuff. At PendingPod on Twitter... At pending pod on Facebook, at ending pending on Instagram. Send us an email, pendingpod at gmail.com. Uh, what do we say? What do we say at the end of these? Be crime, do gay. Ooh.